0: Much of the input through television and music our kids are listening to today is absolutely absurd. And remember, our input definitely does influence our output. Ask yourself the question, is this going to help my child or is this going to hurt my child?
1: Welcome to the Ziggler Show, where we inspire your true performance. I'm your host, Kevin Miller. Today, we're talking to parents and influencers of kids. We hear a message from Zig Ziegler on parenting. I mean, we're all here to get equipped for our lives of success, but how about our kids? How do we equip them in a world where it's tougher and tougher to counter the negative influences around us? How do we Influence our kids for success well that's what Zig talks about, and from the message I posted this question on Facebook. Do you use any strategies with your kids for one, limiting the negative input they receive from people in media, and two, getting positive input into them well, of course, we got great responses that sparked real meaningful conversation you'll be intrigued to hear I think all of what people shared. Tom Ziegler and I talk through the comments and we're joined today by jen truitt who works with ziggler family i'll tell you about that and more in this lineup of great resources before i bring you the message from zig all right folks well here i bring you about a three minute message on parenting from zig ziggler
0: tougher to raise kids today than it was 40 years ago. I'll let you be the judge. In 1940, the top offenses in public schools were as follows. Running in hallways, chewing gum, wearing improper clothing, which included leaving your shirt tail out, making noise and not putting paper in the wastebasket. Those were the top offenses in our public school in 1940. What is it, 1980. In the public schools, not in honor of occurrence, but here they are. Robbery, assault, personal theft, burglary, drug abuse, arson, bombings, alcohol abuse, carrying weapons, absenteeism, vandalism, murder, and extortion. Twelve of these are felonies. You see, I would be unrealistic if I were to say to you that what my mother did was no more difficult than what you're doing today because that simply is not true. We have more opportunities, but we also have more challenges. Well, I'm going to interrupt myself again. I'm back in the studio, and I want to briefly elaborate on some negatives which concern me deeply. Now, major problems in our society today include television, some of the music, drugs, and pornography. Much of the input through television and music our kids are listening to today is absolutely absurd. And remember, our input definitely does influence our output. So, what's the solution? Let me encourage you on one thing, to take your son and daughter to the local music store and get a copy of the top 20 songs currently being played in rock, punk rock, and country and western. I challenge you to read with your child the lyrics and then chat with your child about the possible impact this has in their minds. These songs, parents, literally advocate everything from premarital and extramarital sex to incest, homosexuality, sadomasochism, and even suicide. Now, don't take my word for it. Go and find out for yourself. As you read the lyrics, ask yourself the question, is this going to help my child or is this going to hurt my child? Now, as an example, Pink Floyd's music has been banned in 22 countries, so actually I'm not just expressing my opinion. Rolling Stone, uh, which is not exactly a conservative publication, says that Prince's album, Dirty Mind, may be the most generous album about sex ever made. At its best, it is positively filthy. You owe it to yourself and your child to read The God of Rock by Michael Haynes. Now, I encourage you, however, not to dogmatically prohibit your child from listening. Take that trip to the music store, reason with them, talk with them. But parents, in the final analysis, I remind you that it is your responsibility, and yes, you do have enormous influence in your child's life and what goes into your child's mind.
1: All right, friends. Well, let me point out uh, the obvious. I mean, Zig was talking about the differences from 1940 to 1980. As of this recording, it's 2018. They didn't have the internet, personal computers, smartphones, artificial intelligence, and the world that we live in today. So how much tougher is it for us to raise kids now than then? Some things are the same, but some things are definitely different. So I, again, posted on Facebook this question, and I always invite you to join us for the weekly discussions. You can friend me on Facebook at Agent K, as in Kevin Miller, Agent K Miller. And uh, every week I post one of these questions, and we use the comments for the show. Well, hey, on that note, if you get value here, please leave us a review in iTunes. If you will send us an email at thanks at ZiglarShow.com. We'll send you a hard copy of Tom and Zig Ziglar's book born to wig when an actual hard copy. Um, but the, here's a question I asked for the show on Facebook. Do you use any strategies with your kids for limiting the negative input they receive from people in media? And two, getting positive input from them. So here I bring you the discussion I had with Tom Ziegler and Jen Truitt of Ziegler Family as we talk through your comments. Okay, well, as we dive into this question on parenting, uh, of course, they hear from us all the time, Tom. You've got a beautiful daughter. I have uh, nine kids. And but we've got Jen Truitt with us today, Jen, tell us about your family, so everybody knows
2: thanks Kevin and it's exciting for me to be here with you guys. I have two daughters, and they're both teenagers. one is sixteen one is eighteen. My 18-year-old is graduating from high school three weeks from today, actually. Oh, my word. I'm not ready for that. And so I've been parenting for 18 years, and here we are about to launch them into the world. I feel like I've got a lot of experience under my belt now.
1: Excellent. Hey, I understand. I I have a a daughter graduating in two weeks uh, from high school as well. So just got back from a college graduation from another one. So, yeah, amazing times to watch these guys these guys go through. All right. Well, Hey, great topic. It's going to pull out all the stuff that we did. I'm just going to jump in and hit these. we got some great comments to this question on what are we doing to, uh, keep the negatives coming into our kids' heads and put in the positives. So Gregory here says that they homeschool and do very little media exposure. We cut cable and limit online activity for our kids, ages three to eight, Uh, so we can skip commercials on YouTube and radio and such. And then, uh, as far as as other things, they really scout the sports teams, their kids are on the neighborhood friends that they have so that their kids are communing with other kids, uh, who have like-minded parents and parenting. They do a lot with kids ministries at their community of faith. Sounds like church as well. Um, you know, the, the homeschooling thing, we can go ahead and hit on that one. That's a big one, and it comes up multiple times in this. We did that. I don't know about you guys if you did that at all. We, I say we loosely because it was my wife. Homeschooled for, uh, ever, and then finally she was ready to move on to some other things in her own life, and she is not. So we've got kids in private school and in public school, and, man, there are pros and cons to it uh, for sure. So I don't know. I don't know if you guys have any experience or thoughts on the, the homeschooling thing.
3: Well, Kevin, I, uh, our daughter, Alexandra is 23 and she went to private school. She didn't go to homeschooling. I have so many friends who homeschool and i have to tell you, I admire them to death (laughs) because (laughs) that is a big commitment. And what I love about the friends that I have who do it is they've got the real balance. So it's not an isolated case. And I know when you guys were homeschooling, I mean, you had a whole school homeschooling. Sure. Sure. Right. So they were not isolated and you were involved in the community. But there are so many great homeschooling programs out there. I can also tell you that I've met uh, families where it's just not an option or they don't feel called to do it. Yeah. And I respect that as well. Uh, but what I think we all have to commit to is, as parents is we've got to look out for whatever's best for our kids yeah. in the si- situation that we're in. And we've got to be involved daily. And so homeschooling amplifies that. But gosh, if whether they go to public school or private school or homeschooling, man, we've got to get that involvement.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I would agree. I actually, I don't know if you knew this, Kevin, Tom probably did. I was a teacher before I joined the Ziegler universe. And I always took the position that my kids were in school and they were in public school. And I always took the position that if there was ever a situation where I felt they weren't being best served where they were, that I would pull them out to homeschool them or consider private school. So we were blessed with great teachers throughout their education, especially in those elementary formative years. Once they got into Mm -hmm. middle school and high school and changed classes, every now and then there would be a little blip on the radar, maybe a personality conflict or maybe some friend conflict. But for the most part, I knew that as a teacher, I had that safety net of maybe I could homeschool them if I needed to. And like Tom, I completely respect people who do that. That is, I I will say this when my oldest daughter, now 18, was four and my youngest was two, I did think, oh, I'm going to be a homeschool mom and I'm going to start now with preschool. And so I left teaching and I was staying home and I homeschooled my preschooler for about six weeks before I was like, Oh my goodness, this is not my thing. I need to get out with some adults and I need to do it now. So bless all of those moms and dads who are able to do it. That's, that's fantastic.
1: Uh, Absolutely. And I'll have to say my wife always called herself the reluctant homeschooling mom. Uh, It wasn't her favorite thing to do. And she's glad not to be doing it now, but it's a big topic. You know, I'll invite anybody, uh, all these folks are on Facebook. If you've got questions and concerns on homeschooling, you're welcome to uh, hit me up on Facebook. We've seen all sides of it and are still within it today, but uh, pros and cons on both sides, I think. Uh, you you know, know, the, go ahead.
3: I was just going to say, Kevin, I look at it historically, and formal education in a classroom is relatively new. I mean, mm-hmm. for generations, for hundreds and maybe thousands of years and the vast majority of people learn from their parents. I mean, that's yeah. how they were schooled. And never in your life are you ever put in a situation after school where the only people that you hang out with are the same age as you. Yeah. And so if you're in a regular school, fantastic. That's why when we have a conference, whether we have a Ziegler family conference or we just had a legacy conference, that's why we, we tell our people, bring your kids with you so they can see what life is about when a 10 or 11 year old is in a room with adults talking about, you know, how to be more productive in life. That's when the real lessons get taught.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, That is, excuse me. I mean, there is, yes, so much to be said again. Yeah. Both sides with that, the formal education. Yeah, it is. It's my kids. I've got two in middle school right now, two boys. And I've told them, you guys are in a bubble. There's nothing like middle school on planet earth. You, there's nothing like it before you got in there. It won't be like it afterwards. It is a different world of aliens. So just, <laughs> we had that discussion, uh, a good bit. You know, I did want to mention something real quick before we go on to the next one. Gregory talks about finding kindred spirits, uh, in like-minded parenting and whatnot, which reminds me of a book called by Dan Buettner called blue zones. I actually want to interview Dan and he talked about the healthiest areas across the globe, and he's talking physiologically, but also psychologically. But the point of it comes down to the thing that fosters health most is having a community of health, of health-minded people. And so when you talk about when Gregory talks about that, man, it's so powerful that when I look at the families we are most involved with, they have similar values, they have similar beliefs, and it really helps instill and foster respect for those values and beliefs in the kids when they see that now, not that they can't be exposed, but if you're in public school, you're going to be exposed to everything. So they do see the other things. And I think it's good for them to see that as well and not live in a bubble, but boy,
3: having that zone of health is so powerful. So Kevin and Jen, I've got a question for both of you. With your kids, and Kevin, you've got a, a pack and and Jen you've got two, I've got one, but with your kids, they have their own set of friends and those friends bring those parents into the picture. Did you guys uh have conversations with those parents about hey, our kids are friends, and we're none of us are getting them an iPhone until they're 16, or none of us are going to allow this. Did you guys have that kind of agreement with them? How did you handle that? Well, go ahead, Jen. Go
2: ahead. Kevin. All what? right, I'll start. I'll tell you, Tom, that I did not have those conversations, and as a result, I felt like a lot of times I was actually sort of swimming upstream and going against the tide. I know my girls were. Two of their last of their friends to finally get a phone when that was a big thing, and I remember one time in particular that my daughter wasn't allowed to go to a birthday party where a mom was taking the kids to see a PG thirteen movie, and it was not a movie I approved of, so she was the only one who didn't go. So, you know, I, I didn't feel like it was my place to really have conversation with their parents because. I don't know. They weren't my close friends, and and I didn't feel like that they would appreciate my input on that. So I just sort of was a lone soldier on that for a long time. And of course, the girls didn't like it, but ultimately, it served our purposes the best.
1: Yeah, and, and I we have definitely done some screening like that and said some things. Hey, you're not going to go over there. I've had kids say, "I want to go spend the night with so and so," and whose parents I know. And I said, "You know, I'm so sorry, buddy, but <laughs> I, I, no." Uh, no, I have got it. I've got to admit also that I, I have an unfair advantage. Uh, some of my kids, their best friends are my partner who, you know, Tom, Randy are his kids and we work together every day. So we make these decisions together. All right. When are we getting our kids phones? And we decide, you know, in conjunction with our wives, of course, but that's been an incredible uh, gift to do just that Tom and talk through those things and make decisions together. So powerful again, that community. Um, Well, Mandy here says, my kids only have access to media on Fridays and Saturdays as all chores and schoolwork standards for the week have been met. Even so, media is limited to friendly shows per my husband and my approval. And she says, I'm a big fan of audiobooks. Then, and it's interesting, most people did go from here's what we restrict and here's what we input. And so, so her second piece here, just like on, with Gregory, she says, I'm a big fan of audiobooks. I listen out loud while cooking, cleaning, et cetera. All books are related to personal development. I consistently involve my boys on the reflective questions that arise and complement their judgment constantly, stretching their thinking. Positive reinforcements and words of encouragement are daily goals among ourselves that's beautiful. Um, I, I relate you. What about you
3: guys? I love it. I love it. And you know, when we, I I get it, you know, I, I'll be driving down the road and I'll look over and there's mom and dad and two kids in the back and both the kids have their earplugs in and they're listening to something. And I just scratch my head and I go, Oh my gosh, what an opportunity to listen to something together as a family that actually motivates and uplifts the family or at least have a conversation. So very, very powerful. I like, I like, you know, I heard a comment yesterday. There's probably not one benefit of social media for somebody under the age of 18 that outweighs all the stuff that's negative that goes on there. Mm, Mm hmm. And so I love when parents now with our daughter, uh, 23, when she got on uh, social media, we had all of her passwords and we were professionally snooping and involved and there was no secrets or surprises. Alexandra knew and she told her friends, Hey, you know, my parents have access to this. (laughs) And let me tell you, I think that serves as a little bit of a buffer, but that's the way we did that. Yeah.
2: And when my girls were, well, my oldest was in kindergarten, um, a mom said to me at the time I was teaching sixth grade and she said to me about her sixth grader, well, now please let me know if you're going to give any assignment that requires watching TV during the week because we don't let our kids watch TV during the week. And I had this moment of, that's a thing? That's an option? What a great idea. So from that moment, as my oldest was a kindergartner, that was our rule, no TV And of course, back then it was mainly T V that would have been their their media input. No TV during the week. And when they grew up with that expectation, I never got pushback, which was fantastic. And as they got to be teenagers, I started to relax that rule a little bit as appropriate. But I would say one thing that I would advise parents is just start these these guidelines young. Start if you're going to listen to things in the car together instead of giving them their own earbuds, start it young. And that will be their normal. And you won't get that sort of sullen pushback on it if this is what they've grown up knowing, or at least I didn't. And I really I really appreciated that. I also want to say what you were just mentioning, Tom. I hear from people all the time when I meet them and they find out about Ziegler family and they talk about Zig Ziegler. I hear so often, oh, I grew up listening to that because my parents listened to the tapes in the car. Mm-hmm. So it happened then. I think it still does happen. And I think that's a great time. It's great for conversations with your kids. It's great to put that input into their brains. That car is a captive audience time.
3: Uh- I love it. And let me just compound what you said about the TV. Uh, one of my friends, Rabbi Daniel Lappin basically says, and this is scientifically proven, the TV makes your brain lazy. Mm. It it destroys creativity because your brain doesn't have to invent the pictures. It's in front of you. And so when our kids are in this development stage, what we want is curiosity and imagination to be going like crazy nuts and if they're reading or listening, their brain has to fill in the missing pictures. And and so listening to something that's uplifting, like an audio book, what a great example. We're actually helping our kids' brains develop in the right way. So
1: Yeah, that's great. I I appreciate what you said, Jen, about uh somebody who you know didn't have their kid participate with TV things. That happened recently at school with my wife. Something was happening. I can't remember if it was computer, TV, movie, whatever, that was part of of the uh, homework or something. And my wife told the teacher, hey, we're just not going to do that. Our kid's not going to participate in that. And it was fine. But she told another mother and the mom was just flabbergasted. You mean we can do that? You can say no? And it was really eye-opening and kind of caught on and that became a, a thing. But yeah, real, really powerful there. And thanks to these sponsors for bringing us today's show. Linda says, our girls, we have three, are 25, 22, and 20. We were the weird parents. We had one computer, and it stayed in the kitchen, so I knew what was going on. No TVs were allowed in their bedrooms. Cell phones were given to them as they started high school. Uh, more for me and my peace of mind. We always tried to sneak positive notes in their lunches or in their car seat before they drove off to school in the morning. They definitely faced negative, unacceptable talk at school. However, I think we created an atmosphere at home and in our social circle Uh, sports and church where they learn the positive things early and recognize the bad as they experienced it at school. It took a village and we were greatly blessed. You know, I, I appreciate her talking about just how they created an atmosphere at home and talked about these things. And it really relates to something that I, that you wrote, Jen, And it was, uh, I find it's often practical to have conversations around the things that they're exposed to rather than just trying to prevent their exposure. That has always been a big topic for me. I have admitted authority problems. I don't like anyone to restrict me, uh, from anything. And so as a father, I'm not the guy with real strict rules and guidelines. We talk about that a lot. Don't have a lot of rules in the house. But we do have respect and we do have understanding and, but I have to earn that from my kids. And so, yeah, these, you know, around the restrictions and also the input, I have found so much greater influence with my kids. When we discuss these things together, when I seek to understand them first in these and And I gain their respect. Um, I I don't think anything takes the place of that. And in restrictions or input, I find often fall on deaf ears or they might follow the letter of the law, but they don't get the spirit uh, as opposed to what you talked about, Jen, and really having conversations and discussions. And man, we can have this with, I mean, I've got a, I've got a uh, eight-year-old little boy who he gets it. He understands these things. And, uh, And then of course the older kids as well, but I think we, I think it's amazing how much our kids will buy into these good things of health when we live it out ourselves and when we discuss it and we really seek to understand. And again, I'll, I'm, I'm really uh, focused on my two middle school boys right now because they are in this alien world of middle school. And I spend most of the talks initially talk with them going, all right, tell me, you know, tell me the weirdness that happened today or, or just understanding. I know you guys are in a crazy situation. Um, so I don't know what your guys thoughts on that on, yeah, just really meeting the kids where they are.
2: Well, you know, I have to say a lot of times as a parent, and you'll probably have experienced this too. I don't necessarily find out about things that I might want to be protecting them from until after the fact Mm -hmm. so because things change for example an app on the phone you know or something like that that's new and that all of a sudden you read an article about watch out for this app make sure your kids aren't using this or watching this and it happened that way with a certain there was a show that was on Netflix and I can't think of the name of it but it had something to do with teen suicide Mm -hmm. and it's a show that I would have probably said maybe you don't need to be watching this show However, that horse was already out of the barn because by the time I learned about the show and I asked my girls if they'd heard about it, they had heard about it and they'd seen it. So immediately I switched into discussion mode and we, let's go for a walk. So we took a walk and I said, tell me about the show. And, you know, we talked through it and what do you think? And how does this align with what you know to be true and right and good? And of course, I, I always throw in, you are what you are and where you are because of what's gone into your mind. And a lot of times they'll they'll I'll, I'll maybe, for example, my oldest daughter had the bachelorette on one night. And I walked through the room when she had it on and I said, what are you watching? She says, I know, I know. Garbage in, garbage out. And she <laughs> changed the channel. So, uh, you know, it, it gets through. But having those conversations is important. And it also lets me know. That I'm doing the right thing. They, they know the right thing. They know the what I want them to know. And they're behaving in a way that I would hope that they would behave. And they're able to take what they see and filter it through that filter that we've tried to help them have. Um, because, you know, it just technology, everything is growing so much faster than we as parents can possibly stay on top of. It would be a full-time job. And Tom, you mentioned how when Alexandra got into social media, you had her passwords and you were good at keeping tabs on what was going on. And I think we as parents all try to do that, but my goodness, I would not have hours in the day to work if I had to keep up with every bit of it. So thank goodness there are some apps out there parents can install to help with that. Um, I know I used one that allowed me to actually remotely turn off all of their apps on their devices from my phone. So at eight o'clock at night, all the apps on their phone would disappear. And then I didn't have to worry about them being in their room, texting late at night or on Snapchat or anything like that. So, you know, there's good and there's bad with the technology. And thank goodness some of the good is that we as parents are given some tools to help us with what would otherwise be an overwhelming task, I think.
3: Oh, Jenna, I love that. I love that app that you just talked about. I, I wish I'd had that. Uh, it. It, it just really emphasizes to me this, and that is that um, there was a study that came out. Young athletes, high school and college, are having more injuries than they've ever had before. And they're tracing it back to the coach will say on a road trip, the coach will say lights out at 10. And in the old days, you would fall asleep at 10. Now you're on your phone watching YouTube and chatting and doing all that stuff. You're in your room, but your brain is still awake. So these athletes, especially college, aren't getting enough sleep. So their injury rates are going up because their bones aren't able to heal. Mm. And and so it's not only our mental health that we're worried about. It's the physical health of our kids that we're worried about. Uh, The way that things have changed. So just because your kid says, hey, I'm going to bed, it's nine o'clock. Make no mistake. They are not necessarily asleep at nine o'clock. It could be one or two in the morning. And so when you see behavior or performance or things that just don't seem right, it could be just good old fashioned. They're not sleeping enough because their phone's keeping them up. Yeah, we
1: have we have gone and Jen, I can see you talking there, but we can't hear you for some reason. Um, we have with our kids, they don't take their devices into their rooms at all. And then we've gotten further recently with some of the input that we've found out about the detriment of having screens in your face later or before bedtime, like with an hour, within an hour or two. And so we've adjusted that with our kids as well. that they're not having any screens in front of them until, or before bed for an hour to two hours before that. And my gosh, after dinner, it kind of takes away all the time anyways. And so, yeah, limiting that. We've just got to realize that the social media, the the electronic stuff, the devices, it's kind of like Doritos. You know, it's not terrible once in a while, but is that something you want daily and unlimited? And we're just seeing the ramifications from that. Well, hey, let me hit another uh, another one here. This is from... Heidi, she says, for my son, he is dyslexic, and I saw a really fast decline of self esteem in fifth grade. He was actually out in class, and homework was a nightmare. So I decided to homeschool him. I was going to go for one year, but went for two years. In those two years, I just went for his weakness writing, reading, and personal development. Lots of, lots of mornings of reading or listening to something on personal development. I like the line about the swing of the golf, golf club being just even a centimeter off will determine where your ball goes. I came back uh, to that line all the time. I did put him back in school and academics uh, are pretty good, but the attitude is still in need of development. At the end of the day, I'm trying to get him ready for what's next and to ask himself, where am I going? Have you heard that line before? The swing of the golf club, Tom?
3: Just a center, You know that one. <laughs> yes. You know, it's kind of like arrows in a quiver. You know, you, 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 once, the, once the ball, once the club has made impact with the ball, it is gone. Yeah. Right? It is yeah. gone. And so what do we do between now and then? Well, the takeaway, the address, the, our view and our position of the ball, all those things are critical uh, to making the ball go in the right direction. Yeah. Uh, it takes a lot of faith and trust once that ball is gone to see where it's going to go.
1: Yeah. Jen, are you there? I know we lost your audio for, for a little bit. I think we still, I think we missed her. There. All right. Well, Hey, I'm going to, I've got one more here. Uh, Tony, she says only listen. They only listen to Christian radio or audio. We limit electronics and TV time. We play outside every chance that we get encouraging the kids to try things. My boys are only five and eight. They're more active and creative than most kids in their class. We highly encourage play and building as a parent. I work very hard on noticing when they do things for others and are being a good friend. To hear positive input, we surround ourselves with positive people. And the thing that stuck out to me on that one, Tom, is just the encouragement, pulling out those things that we can encourage the kids with. I mean, back to my focal point on respect, mutual respect with my kids, as I see as one of the those powerful things that I can have as a parent and I can employ as a parent, that right there is such, you know that, you you, you were raised on this and that's what Zig taught us all, the power of encouragement for so many things, but in our kids, I think it's second to none. And I think we, it's so easy to fall into, you know, you got the both sides that get talked about, you know, should you be a friend to your kid? And you have some people say, gosh, you got to be a friend. And others say, no, that's not the job to be a friend. You're there to you know, teach and train and, uh, and such. I find there's a balance in there. Um, they need, I, we need to have mutual respect. Now I I am the parent. That doesn't mean I give them what they want. And yeah, I understand the friend piece of it, but to encourage them, to lift them up, to support them, to really care about what they care, uh, about is, uh, yeah. an encouragement. I mean, you know, Tom, that's gotta be number one.
3: Number one is, you know, dad said this, the number one cause of a poor self-image is the lack of unconditional love. I love you because you're mine, not because of what you've done or will do or how you behaved last night or this. I love you because you're mine. You can't change that. <laughs> you're mine. I love you. And because I love you, I'm going to create the environment that it's going to allow you to become the person that God created you to become. Yeah. And all we got to look, if we want to know what to say to our kids, just look at what God said about us. I mean that's the encouragement, the hope, the faith, the love, the kindness, the consideration, the respect. I mean you can go through all the qualities that's what our our kids really need to hear from us. And I love what Tony she said I'm reading this between the lines on Tony, but she's recognizing hey I got boys. Mm-hmm. And boys are a little different than girls. I mean Kevin, you got a you got a house full of both. Mm-hmm. Are they different? They are different. <laughs> they are different. <laughs> and I think we get in trouble when, I mean, all the labels that we have in society right now, you know, my kid has this and my kid does that. And this, you know, we put all these labels. And so what happens is, is now we got to treat them like a label. And if somebody is outside of the label and they're, you know, let's face it, a 13 year old boy with boundless energy and an attention span of, an, of a goldfish in class. Is that really just the natural uh, the way that boys are, or does it really need all the you know all the science and medicine behind it to get it fixed? I I wonder sometimes. Uh, you know, young boys, let's get them tired. <laughs> let's <laughs> let's have I mean, let's have them run. Let's have them exercise. Let's have them you know get some of that energy out and get back mm-hmm. focused. So I love the idea of I'm going to love you. I'm going to respect you. Yeah, I'm, I'm not your friend, I'm your parent, but I can be a friend as a parent in these things and you're different and I'm going to treat you that way.
2: That's a great point, Tom.
3: Yeah, absolutely.
1: I mean this, you know, when I come down to this so often we as parents and I have been a parent a long time, I've walked a lot of parents and we so get caught up and I still struggle with the day on what am I doing? What do I do? Am I doing this? Is this the right thing to do? Am I not doing what I should be? Am I doing something wrong? What do I do? And yet over time, and I've been able to pass this on to other parents as they, as they worry about this, I say, you know, the, the gift of having kids as I do from age you know five to 23 now, is I get to see the fruition off here. And I found everything that I worry about doing the benefit to my kids is far greater back to. Back to Zig Ziglar here on who I be, who I am being and the spirit in our home, the peace, joy, love, gratitude, inspiration, the higher calling that it's not just about them. Life's not all about them uh, is so powerful. The relationship I have with them again, that mutual respect. And then back again to what you, we talked about with you, Jen, that you pulled out, having taken the time to have real discussions, have real understanding to have real meeting meetings of the heart. Those things right there I'll put above anything else. I'll put above the, the, the academics that they get, the sports that they get, the uh, input that we try to give them from other sources or the restrictions we put onto them. I will put, that relationship and the spirit in the home and between us on top of all of that. Now those things are still good. I found out, I mean, we still need to do some things. We still need to restrict some things. We still need to put to input some things, but them feeling loved and appreciated and cared for and having that respect. I just, uh, and again, it, it goes back to the principles of, uh, well, Zig Ziglar, don't you think it's about who you be? um, Man, powerful stuff. Any last thoughts from you guys?
2: Well, what you're saying makes me think of the idea that our kids learn more from what is caught than what is taught, mm-hmm. and I think that's exactly the point you're making. It's it's how we behave ourselves. It's the atmosphere that we set up in our homes for them. And you know, we as parents, all of us, we do the best we can. We we look for ideas from other parents from within our community. You know, we I'm pretty sure that when my daughter graduates in two weeks, nobody's going to come up and hand me some sort of a report card on how I did as a parent. I think that I'm doing the best I can. And that's what we're all doing. So just continuing to support each other as parents, as a community out there and just, you know, knowing that everything that we are doing is ultimately having some sort of an effect. And let's just hope we're doing doing the right thing. We're certainly trying.
1: Yeah, that, that line, line. they learn more by what, what they, what they caught than what we taught. I, I, I just, I think it's, it's irrefutable in my own life. At least I'll say that.
2: Yes. Yeah.
1: Well, Hey, thank you all for the incredible comments. Uh, this is, yeah, it's rich stuff and this is, this is where the rubber hits the road. Uh, guys, thanks for, uh, being on this with me. It's an honor and, uh, here's to our kids.
2: Amen.
3: Amen. Jen, you need to come back. This was fun.
2: Yes, I had a good time. Thanks very much.
3: Well, folks, I hope this gave you good ideas and some confirmation
1: for what you're doing with your kids. Again, if you got value from the show, please let us know. Leave a review in iTunes and email us at thanks at Ziggler show.com. Tell us your iTunes username so we can thank you by sending you Zig Ziglar and Tom Ziggler's book Born to Win an actual hard copy. If you're ready to implant some Ziggler success into your life, don't go it alone any longer. Go to Ziggler.com, See where we can partner with you. Well, coming up next in show 577, we're back with our guests from show 575, renowned author Dan Pink, to hear about his habits in the seven spokes of the Ziggler Wheel of Life. Of course, with his focus on perfect timing and talking about what he does for his physical health, it was really cool to hear his studies show that morning exercise is better for losing weight and habit formation and gives a good mood boost. But the case for later afternoon or evening exercises there are fewer injuries at that time. And the exercise is less effortful. People tend to enjoy it more and your performance and speed will be better later in the day, statistically. Interesting to me, as I hit the weights or the road to run at about six thirty AM every morning. Well interesting stuff. You're gonna enjoy the rest of what he had to share in the Habit Show. Well till then, thanks so much for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together.